Mal, do you know what coffee I've been enjoying a lot lately? No, which one? I have been enjoying free lunch coffees, medium dark roast blend. Ooh, me too. You know what I love most about their coffee, besides the rich flavor, is their mission to end hunger for underprivileged children. Each purchase from their store provides 10 meals to children in South Africa. If you want to enjoy this gourmet coffee that is fair trade and certified organic that also fights to end child hunger, go to their website, freelunchcoffee.com. And when you check out, use promo code THOSEOTHERGIRLS10. And let's end world hunger by doing what we do best, starting each morning with a cup of coffee. Can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Those Are the Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory. I'm Victoria. And we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. Okay, so today to kick off um, Black History Month, I have a very good friend of mine that I've made in Charlotte. His name is Osiga. And um, we spent like 10 minutes trying to figure out like what title to (laughs) say because he does so much. So instead of me saying everything that he does, he is going to explain it himself. Okay, Osiga, tell everybody all that you do. All right, well, uh, I'm, uh, first off, I'm just a humble private citizen. <laughs> and, it's not uh, humble. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just a private citizen. Uh, I'm a conservative. Uh, I'm an American, uh, first generation. Uh, I'm also a business owner. Uh, I also uh, am a part of Blessed as an ambassador. I worked on uh, President Trump's campaign. I worked on prison reform, urban revitalization, and I, I am what... I call a elephant in a blue jungle. So what do you mean by that? A Republican in a blue city. Oh, in a okay. blue area. Elephant in a blue jungle. I think that explains all of us because I'm up in Guilford County. It's where we've gone so blue in the last 10 years. It's crazy. Like we used to be a very, not very red county, but more red. Guess what? I was born and raised in Guilford County. No way. Where'd you go to high school? I went to uh, Smith High School, the Academy of Smith specifically. Did, when did you graduate? Uh, 2014. Did you have Miss Bardsley there by any chance? I don't know if she was there yet. Well, I was at the Academy, so... The no, she taught at the college. Academy. What, what subject? She was like a CTE, so she taught like big business courses. I don't know if she was there yet. I knew uh, she so was she at. Was right there before. She probably came right before Mr. Johnson. Okay, because well, no, yeah, she was at Grimsley. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. that's cute. Small cool. world. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, my husband graduated from Northwest Guilford, and I gra- I went okay. I lived in North Forsyth County and graduated from Reagan High School over there. Okay, no problem. We've been. I've been there for a couple of times for scrimmages. Oh yes. Did you, what sports did you play in high school? Uh, football, basketball. 
Very nice. What positions? <laughs> uh, linebacker, defensive end, like it's like a drop back position. Mm-hmm. And then uh, basketball, it'll either be like a one or a two. Okay. So it's like plus plus shooting guard. Yeah. Ooh, go sports. Go sports. Where'd you go to college? <laughs> uh, so I went to UNC Charlotte. So basically, this is how I got into being a uh, I, uh, I went to UNC Charlotte, uh, went to the business school. And, you know, it was it was great, you know, college lifestyle. And then two years in, uh, I ran into like, uh, you know, I just didn't like the semester I was having. So I, I took a quote unquote break and I got into sales and I, I started, you know, a my me and my family started a family business. And that's I think that summer that I took the break, I made a pretty good sum of money uh, from business. And I found out I was good at sales business and then i learned how taxes hit people hard mm-hmm. um and then uh i took a few more breaks and i learned how debt works like what student debt was how it hits you because i had stopped going at the time so the debt collector was calling and calling and calling and whatnot and i just worked more hard on, on business and one day they just called and i was just like all right so uh, how much, you know, is it or whatever, what is it? And they kept mentioning it to me. And I wrote one big check uh, to pay off my student loans. And I never looked back. Oh, wow. uh, and then, and so with that is uh, what I learned about, like, let's say deals or debt. I, I learned that, you know, when you're paying off your debt, if you're going to pay it off in full or things like that, that they offer deals as debt collectors because they, they bought your debt. And like, you can maybe work to pay, if you're going to pay all, they might give you a discount or something like that. So a lot of things, uh, which actually kind of got me interested in, in Trump, in a sense, because he does deals as well. Uh, so, I mean, that's basically it. And I've been uh, been in business. I've been uh, working as far as being conservative, because uh, what started me on was $15 minimum wage when I heard uh, liberals uh, mentioning that in Democrats, because I was raised to be, you know, a Democrat, you know. In these cities and these schools, as you guys know, mm-hmm. uh, schools raise you to believe Republican stereotypes that they're mean, you know, they're old and white and rich and they don't care about you. So that's what I was raised on, you know, just like you're left and you're right, you're right and you're wrong, you know, you're raised to think that. Uh, so one day I realized that the $15 minimum wage was not a good deal because one, I felt that it was a barrier to entry, especially for Black businesses. Because uh, you have a thing called payroll, and payroll is basically a bill that pays your employees. So right now, minimum wage is seven twenty-five, correct? Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, you hire workers, right? And so you can't pay them less than seven twenty-five. So on average, you know, if you raise it to fifteen, you're doubling you know, what you have to pay people no matter what. Even if that person would work for less, you can't under law. Uh, So what that does is it it doubles, on average, your payroll bill. So it puts a lot of people out of business, especially like small businesses. You know, so I mentioned how, you know, that would affect, you know, my business and how many people I can employ. Uh, Because one also that people don't realize is, is like big companies, like let's say Amazon, Walmart, uh, and many others, the ones that can maybe that they can afford $15 wage, uh, no problem. They're cheering for that because it puts 
small businesses, their competitors out of business. Mm-hmm. So they see it as just a, mere, as a cost just to have all the market share, which is mm-hmm. what capitalism yeah. is not about, you know? Um, so, you know, I was explaining, I, I, I mentioned that on Twitter one day and some liberals got on my case. They said, you sound like a conservative. Then I didn't really know much what, um, what that meant. So I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. This sounds a little bit like me or whatnot. And then I remembered um, I was still living with my parents at the time. And there was a guy named Trump, you know, that came on <laughs> and he was running for, you know, president. So at first I didn't take it seriously. And then I was still, you know, a Democrat and whatnot. And I was just looking. And this was back in like 2016. I was just, you know, looking at his campaign and I was, you know, believing the, the Kool-Aid that the media was feeding us. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I remember one day, I was online and they showed a picture of of Trump with his parents and one had and they and his both his parents had KKK costumes on like clothes like the garments or whatever on and he was posing with them smiling and I was so pissed to see that and I was like this can't this can't be true or something or I wanted I actually was I actually was like you know what if this is true you know which I was starting to believe it was true I was like, I'm going to post this everywhere. I'm going to do whatever I can to fight against this. This is racist. This is horrible that his parents were this and he's running for president. So I went to Google the image, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went to Google the image, you know, to make a poster about it or whatnot. And I found out it was Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And I found the real picture. And it was a picture of, you know, him and his parents, you know, just a, just a successful man with his parents, you know. And, you know, all smiles. So I was like, oh, whoa. So that, that quelled me over like, okay, whoa, I misjudged. And then I looked at, you know, like a, the source of what I saw before. And I saw it was just, you know, n- you know news and, and media or whatever. So I, that's when I first started to gain a, a, a distaste, a disliking towards the mainstream media, like fake news. I'm going to pause saw, you. Sorry, yeah, two seconds. Yeah. I just want to interject. I think a lot of people um, seeing what the media... Uh, how the media mischaracterized President Trump in general, I think it turned a lot of people off and it's been an imbalance because now people don't trust anything, which I think is good. You should definitely question everything. You should not just blame and everything. But I think people starting right there, like you said, like things like that. And now we've gotten to a place where like most people don't trust anything on the media. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. You know, um, as far as, uh, you know, the media, because right now the media, you know, I even hear things like the media is like, uh, what do they say? 80%, you know, Democrat owns, owned in the sense. Oh, yeah, not surprised. Looks like yeah. it, you know. And um, as far as that, you know, that's what started my disdain for media. So I started like, you know, always researching things and like looking at different sources. And also, you know, growing up, you know, my, my father, he always had a saying that there's two sides to every story. You know, uh, so I've always taken that into consideration. And one thing is when I was watching the presidential debates between uh, President Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton, I was rooting for Hillary out of my Democrat bias, you know, as I was raised. But I couldn't help but in the back of my head say, oh, Trump was was right. in Some of the points he made, like it being smart to pay less taxes, um, like also, you know, as far as saving your money, as far as, you know, Hillary being crooked, as far as with Haiti, um, as far as uh, Hillary defending uh, Bill Clinton's bad behavior. Mm -hmm. 
and, and things like that. So I, I saw that, and I was like, okay, Trump is making sense, you know. And also him, his attacks on, on and him talking about the wall, which is very true. I'm, a, I'm an immigrant, and I, and I do understand the importance of coming into a country legally, you know, because illegally it's like you're skipping the line, and then you people are paying taxes uh, for you, and you know, it's just, it's just not a good thing for, for a country. And, and also, it hurts the immigrant. Illegal immigration hurts the illegal immigrant more, mm-hmm. you know. Because, you know, there's a lot of things they can't do. They're literally an alien, you know, you know, because, you know, you just don't know, you know, their idea or where they come from, you know, stuff like that. So I saw that, you know, in Trump. And uh, but still, my bias led me to election day to still vote like uh, Hillary. But another thing that I noticed is that I was also not voting for uh, like, you know, how they usually say uh, like bonds and stuff that you vote on. So, like, usually on the ballot, they'll say, oh, vote for schools to get funding, blah, blah, blah. So I voted against those because I read and I saw that it was just upping the tax and the fees to actual homeowners in the city, which eventually, things like that eventually causes homeowners to move out, you Mm -hmm. know, and you need homeowners in a a city. You need need people that are are embedded in an an area, you know. So I, I, I voted on those. So I was kind of voting conservatively. But at the at the candidate wise, I'll vote, you know, Democrat at least. So like when election day comes, you know, I go to sleep kind of kind of, you know, worried or angry or whatever. I was like, well, oh, I was like, they say trouble win. But I was like, you know what? When I wake up, Hillary's going to win the, be the winner. And, you know, it's all going back to wake up in the morning, ready to go to uh, class. And I see that he won. So uh, I, I was I was doing some courses in community college at the time. I went to class. Everybody was silent. My business teacher, he was smiling like you know he was like he you know he had sense. He was smiling, and I and back then I think I think he was a black conservative, you know. So, but he was smiling, and he said, "Well, you know, how many people voted?" And then one guy he didn't uh, he didn't vote. He said he had to work, and I was kind of pissed at him. I was like, "Maybe you were the one that you know." Blah, blah, blah. In my, <laughs> in my head, all this was in my head though. Now fast forward, you know, I decided to just give Trump a chance, you know, because like I, I heard of him talking about, you know, lowering the black unemployment rate and things like that. Um, so I was thinking, okay, let, at least let me give him a chance. Why not? And so then I started paying attention. I got a little bit more conservative because that's the time I started talking more about the 15 minimum wage, started being in business more. I learned, I learned what inheritance tax was, which a lot of people don't know. I learned what payroll tax was. And I and I, when I learned Trump was trying to get rid of inheritance tax, it made a lot of sense. Okay, pause two seconds. Explain yeah. what inheritance tax is. Okay, so thank you. So inherit <laughs> inheritance tax, or rather gift tax, is them taxing money that you left for your children when you die. Money oh. that you've already paid tax on. Money that you've already paid tax on your whole life in many mm-hmm. different ways, and they tax that. You know, and gift tax. Now, let's say you know that they're going to tax you, you know, when you die and they're going to tax your kids for that money. Let's say you say, okay, while I'm alive, I'm going to give that money to my kid in small increments, right? Mm-hmm. So gift tax okay. is $10,000 or more. So if they see that you gave anybody $10,000, just like that, whether even if you sent it on Cash App or whatever, they tax you on, on you giving somebody money, Wow. you know, so... So I mean that's uh that's one tax that I thought was crazy, and then I learned I had a little disdain for taxes, you know, like I I went through the whole tax 
taxation is theft, uh, you know, phase and all that stuff. And uh, even with that, yeah, I I can go into more of that. But then I learned about that. And I read a book, uh, which I'm actually looking at on my shelf, I think, or maybe somewhere trying to see if I, yeah, I read a book. It was uh, the Trump uh, tax plan. And I learned, you know, certain things about taxes that I found very interesting. And um, from then, you know, I was getting more conservative and I started working this small job on the side and I was in the break room one day and I saw it was a black guy and a black lady and they were in the break room and the TV was on. Trump was on speaking about black unemployment, right? And I was looking, I was like, okay, you know, he's talking, he's talking passionately, passionately and he seems like he knows, he knows what he's talking about. The man was shaking his head. Now, what I noticed was the man wasn't shaking his head because he was actually listening to Trump. He was shaking his head because there was a shorty, a lady in the room, and he wanted to impress her by maybe doing what <laughs> everybody else is doing and following the crowd. So he was shaking. He's like, I don't know what's wrong with that man. Mm-mm-mm. And she was like, yeah, I know. But the thing is, I could tell he didn't listen to a thing he said. He was just trying to be a simp, you know, for the lady that wasn't interested in him at all. You know, and so I thought I was like, I was like, this dude is crazy. And for him to be as old, like he was an old, bald headed man, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, you're too old to be, you know, simping, you know, being a simp like that, you know. And <laughs> I go home maybe a few days later or maybe that night. Who knows? I'm on Instagram. I go in the shade room. Right. Mm-hmm. And I see a post about I see a post and it's black kids in MAGA hats. And. I was surprised because I never thought, you know, this would exist, you know, because like even when the election happened, they were like, oh, Trump is going to put us in chains and whatnot. He's going to put us back in slavery, which hasn't happened yet. You know, so I was like, OK, maybe people were capping, maybe people were lying and stuff. You know, again, fake news. <laughs> and <laughs> and then uh, I remember I reached out to a few of those kids in the picture because they were actually in the comments going back and forth with people. You know how the shade room is. They're going yes. back and forth. And okay, so I was at that conference and I remember when the person, so Shade Room asked to post it and they put it in our group chat and was like, should we let the Shade Room take it? And I remember in my head, I was like, don't do it, don't do it. But then she was like, oh, I did it anyway. And I was like, okay, here we go. Wow. I reached out to to a few of them and uh, basically I'm like, because then I'm, I'm, I'm I was leaning towards conservative then, but I was like neutral, you know? Mm-hmm. But I was like, I, I commended them for going against the grain because I, I see how like, you know, wild the black community has gotten as far as like in groupthink and, and just toxic behavior. So I was like, I commend you guys for standing up for what you believe in and defending yourself in the comments because these people can be very unreasonable and whatever. And and I thought that would be it. I thought I was just giving their props and they'll go. A few of them responded to me. It was like, oh, hey, thanks. I appreciate it. And then one of them was like, would you like to join our group and be in our in our group chat or whatever? And I was like, sure. I thought I was going to go in group chat and give them their props and dip, you know. But uh, no, eventually they kept talking to me. And it turned out they were part of this organization, as you know, called Turning Point. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were at the Young and Black Leadership Summit. So I learned about them. I learned about different things uh, going on. Like, you know, I learned who Candace Thorns was and Brandon Tatum and all that stuff. And, and back then, a lot of uh, influencers were more reachable than, I guess, because a lot of them hadn't blown. Uh, mm-hmm. But... You know, uh, it's hard to get people now. People don't answer their emails. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's a runaround right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but then you know, like just talking, and you know, I learned certain things about certain people, 
people learned about me as far as like me having my, you know, my business and my family business and things that I've, I've gone through. So eventually one day it was actually a few people, few people from actually Turning Point that like just reached out to me and said, Hey, we're lobbying for this thing called uh, the First Step Act. And we heard a story about, you know, you talking about one of your business advisors who went to prison. Now, let me explain. So I had a business advisor and he had went to prison for tax evasion, but it's not the traditional tax evasion that you would think like he wasn't, you know, paying his taxes or whatnot. And which is a, which here I'm going to mention another uh, barrier to entry, especially for like people who haven't, let's say, made that certain type of money from business or reached that position yet. So when you make a certain amount of, uh, say, money, you're in certain, uh, such a high tax bracket where maybe you owe millions in taxes. It's no longer a regular sit down with your with one accountant to to file all those taxes and, and divide up all that money in the right way to get your right tax cuts or whatever you need. You need actual actual team of experienced accountants that are very detail oriented down to even the penny and even lawyers in a sense, you know, and if you don't have that, if you don't have that, it can be really efficient because the IRS don't play, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and the thing is, it can come it can come down to like when let's say you owe a lot of taxes, the IRS will come at you very quickly. And that's talking about, you know, jail time. So is. So basically, that's what happened with his case. You know, he owed a lot, you know, in taxes, but it just happened so fast before he knew how to hire the right people to handle that and stuff like that. It just, he just saw some jail time for that. So they were like, oh, would you like to help prep lobbyists and talk about your experiences? So I was like, okay, sure, you know, cool. Because I read about the plan and I was like, okay, this sounds cool. So I, I, I just gave them, literally all I did, I just hopped on a phone call with some of the people that were lobbying. Uh, from uh, Mark Lutchman, uh, Candace Owens, Brandon Tatum, that were lobbying in D.C. Uh, the next day. And I said, hey, you know, talk to them about this. Talk to them about certain uh, things that's wrong with the prison system. And, and also growing up in Greensboro, I have a lot of uh, people I grew up with that are in prison even still to this day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, hey, blah, 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 you know, certain things like us as far as with federal. And uh, they were, so they were like, cool. So I guess they, you know, they took some of what I said and other things they knew and lobbied. And I know that day they got through the Senator Ted Cruz and some other people and they were just like convincing them, you know, what lobbyists do, they convinced them on, on you know, a bill and the law. So I remember I was an, I started out as an advocate for the first step back. And I remember one day I see, I see us celebrating like in our, in our group chats and stuff. We were they were celebrating. They said, "Oh, the first thing that it passed, it passed the house, or, or something like that." It passed, it, no, no, it passed. Yeah, it passed the. It yeah, it's yeah, passed the, pass the house. And then, and then they were celebrating even more when it passed the Senate, which I think that's when they lobbied for on that day. Who knows? And so they were like, "Oh, it passed the Senate. This is so awesome!" Da, da, da. And I was like, "Cool." You know, I thought nothing of it. You know, I was just like, "Okay, you know, that's great." You know, and then one day, I look on TV. And Trump is signing, and I see the headline, First Step Act or something. Or I see on a bunch of social media platforms that are conservative. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I helped out on that. That's that's really that's really neat. That's really neat. That's that, that awesome. Made stuff. And, and then for Trump to sign that, that's actually what pushed me towards maybe even supporting Trump, you know, because actually that was a bipartisan deal, you know. Mm-hmm. That was really bipartisan. Democrats were on it, too. Like, Cory Booker was, I think, a lead on it at one time. Wow. And uh, for Trump to sign that, you know, it showed it showed a lot that he actually, you know, 
actually put things into place. And so um, when he signed that, you know, I was pretty, you know, I was pretty impressed. I was like, okay, cool. And, you know, you know when they start signing certain laws, you don't see it going to effect immediately a lot, mm-hmm. you know. But to tell you the truth, like my business advisor who was in, you know, prison at the time, he was in federal prison for tax evasion, you know, we email, you know, we email, I visit him sometimes, I make that three, four hour drive and whatnot. And I never thought like, it'll get to people that fast. And he, he emailed me and said, Hey, Osea, I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but my lawyer told me about something called the first step act that I may be able to get out early. And I was like, whoa, you know, because I was like, I worked on this, but I never expected him to, you know, even know about this, especially in a, in a few months. So I was like, oh, cool. You know, I actually helped work on that. And I use you as an example and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, yeah, this is this is pretty awesome. Because like he, he his job, one of his jobs was in the federal prison was he was a driver. So he would he'll would, he would drive people out of what they call, I think, outtake, which is when they're released. He drives them to the bus stop or whatever. Um, so. He, he he would drive them as his uh, as part of his prison job, and he said that a lot of more people were being released because of that. You know, so I was like, "Oh, cool! This is really effective." So Trump actually put some things into action, and so I, me, I, like, I, I like action a lot. You know, yeah. Um, so with that being said, come February, February comes around. It's Black History Month, and everybody's telling me to check my email. So I'm like, "Okay, cool." I check my email, hop on my Gmail. And I look and I don't see anything. And they were like, oh, well, did you check your your, your junk folder or your, your spam mail or whatever? I checked my spam and I opened it up and it's an invitation to the White House. Oh, my God. And yeah. So so it was for the Black History Month thing. So now the whole time I'm thinking, well, should I go? You know, because like, you know, the people that I used to go to school with in, in UNC Charlotte, they're very liberal and they'll call me, you know, a coon or a sellout mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I was like, well, it's, it is a once in a life opportunity to go into the White House, not just on a tour as a visitor. And uh, plus, you know, this was really, you know, planned out. It looks like it's going to be a very nice uh, day and occurrence. So I asked a friend who also went to UNC Charlotte, and it turns out he's a closet conservative as well, you know. And uh, shout out to him, because I may not have gone if it weren't for that. So. Uh-huh. So yeah, so he said he says go. He's like because if, if it was anybody else, they would do they would go the same thing too. And it's the president of the United States, whether or not. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, so I RSVP, uh, and then I didn't have like a plethora of like suits or nice things or whatever. So I just wore the suit I had. It was a nice uh, black, uh, you know, versatile kind of suit. You know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I. Uh, I since it was last minute, I couldn't book you know a plane or a plane ticket or something because it was the prices were so high for plane tickets. So I booked a train. So I tell actually that night I tell my I tell my parents, <laughs> and they couldn't believe it too because I told them like you know the small like you know what happened and stuff like that. And they were like okay cool. So I hop on a train. It was six hours to DC. I get out of Union Station. Now six hours doesn't really necessarily mean six hours. It can mean seven, eight, whatever. So by the time taken I that train there, before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So by the time I got to Union Station, I was running late. <laughs> I was stressing because I was about to be late to let to for security because you, you got to do a whole like background check and like, mm-hmm. security has to check you before you get away. So I was I was like super late. Like it was like I literally hopped out of Union Station and it's ten minutes before you know they close the doors. 
you know, not the lines open, they close the doors. So my good friend, John, I give him credit to this day, even though he's going a little bit on the liberal side. He lives in DC. <laughs> he calls, he calls me an Uber. And what does he do? Oh yeah. He, he basically meets me at the station, takes my luggage. Cause I change into my suit and, and the train. Um, and he take he takes my suitcase and I guess he finds a way to get it to my hotel. And he, he puts me in an Uber that he called. I get there like literally last minute and I run, I'm running through the gate of, of the, the White House gates or whatever. I go through security. They have a dog sniff you and all that stuff. And they mm-hmm. check you and metal stuff. And last minute, boom, those clothes, I'm in there. So I'm looking around uh, and you could have never told I just got off a train, you know, because I, <laughs> I, I, I found a way to groom my hair and all that stuff. I'm looking around. I'm seeing like friends finally in person. And uh I'm seeing like influencers all over. So I'm just like, oh gosh, this is cool. You know, I, I see, I see Candace in the corner. I see Charlie Kirk. I see Brandon Tatum. I see, uh, I see Derek. I see, I see a lot of like a lot of different, you know, people, you know, and it's all in one room, even Rob Smith too, uh, you know, and I'm just, I'm just like kind of in awe, but like, I'm just like, okay, cool. You know, let me still act like I got some sense or whatever. <laughs> but I was just so like nervous still. So then I look at the bar. There, I was like, "Oh!" I look at the bar and I see they have a bar at the at the, at the event. And I'm like, "Wow, that's interesting." But they probably have some fancy drinks that you know I can't even pronounce, so I'm not even gonna order anything. And I, and then they were like, "Oh, it's an open bar." I was like, "Oh, even better." So I go up there. <laughs> I, I go up there. I go up there. You know, and I'm just like, I'm just like, okay, you know, let me just ask. But I'm probably just pulling their leg. So even while the Marine band is playing their violin and it's sounding all nice, I go to them and I'm just like, you guys wouldn't have, you guys, I bet you guys don't have this, but if you guys have Hennessy, just, you know, pour me, pour me a shot. And I thought they were going to be like, no, we don't have Hennessy on us. And then, oh and then uh, the, bar, the bar guy, he's like, sure, coming right up. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, oh. I was like, oh, you guys have Henny at the White House? Interesting. You know, oh so my God. I was like, okay, cool. So I had me a glass. I mean, you can see them. You can see them in my pictures on on Instagram. But I had me a glass, you know. Oh, and I guess it knocked off. White House. Oh my yeah, goodness. I, I had um, I had a few drinks, <laughs> and you know, I'm not saying I got I got buzzed up or drunk or anything, but yeah. I was relaxed. So it relaxed me enough to go up to you know say hey to Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens and, and, and meet them for the first time. And, and this is relaxed. all sorry. And this is all pre Blexit, correct? Uh, yes, Lexit was already started by them, but it was in its baby stages. Then mm-hmm. there was no thing, there was nothing like Lexit uh, state chapters, which I'll get to that, which I helped start uh, with Pierre and and a few others. Pierre ma- being the main uh, founder of that and the the creative mind to to come up with that. Uh, but with that uh, in the in the White House, so like you know, I was just relaxed, and I was relaxed enough to hear a speech. Now. Trump comes out and, you know, big applause, of course. And he's taller than I imagine. I'm like, oh, he's 6'4". This is, this, is, this is interesting. You know, this is cool. So he gets on there and he has the, one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard. The speech was tailored and related to Black History Month. And I'm like, wow, and this is the people that these were the, you know, this was the man that they were calling racist and whatnot. He was actually, you know, speaking like real facts you know, about the black community, great things about the black community. 
He even said slaves built this nation, you know, that which sounds like something that wow, awoke. Said, so, wow, yeah, wow. that literally that literally said that. I mean, you could you could, I bet you can find the the speech uh, somewhere. You just look up uh, uh Black History Month celebration uh I think 2019 or so. And so yeah, he he had a great speech. And to top it all off, I was to top it all off. It's like he tailored that speech for me because he had other people come speak. And this is not like uh, maybe the cliche, you have some, just some politician for self-gain come up there and just say uh, self, uh, self um, appreciative words about them and, and whatnot. He had a guy, a man named Clarence Henderson. Yes, uh, I'm good friends with Clarence. So, so, Are you? I'm, wow. I'm yeah, okay. yeah, so yeah he he's one friends. of the um, Wool, Woolworths yep. Yep. Uh, five. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. So, so, I, so I go up and, and I'm like, oh, that's one of the guys from, you know, the Greensboro Four, you know, the, with or, the yeah, that's what I meant. Because I was I was born and raised in Greensboro. So I actually I actually knew I would say all four of the original four sitting guys. Mm-hmm. And uh mm-hmm. because my I went to school with one of their grandsons. My dad was good friends with one with one of the sons. Uh he went to he went to AT with one of the sons as well. Oh wow. Um, and yeah, so so I, I always knew them growing up. You know, we would go on field trips to see their statue and to see them speak, you know, on, in Black History Month. So it's like it's like they tailored the speech kind of just for me, for bringing somebody from my hometown. Now, Clarence Henderson, I didn't know at first, but I looked at my information, and he actually sat in on the second day when one of them had to go to class. Yes, so that, like, that's so the story. Yeah. I knew he was not the OG. Yeah. He comes in on the day this podcast comes out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, yeah, so that's, that's uh, so I hear him speak, Clarence Henderson gives a good speech. And I'm like, whatever I got to do, I'm, I'm, I have to meet up with him in Greensboro or whatever. So I keep that as a mental note. Um, so then after the speech, right, Trump goes and shakes hands and he signs hats or whatnot, which I didn't know that, that that's what he does. He signs, you know the MAGA hats or whatever. And this was pre-COVID, you know, let, let me of keep you in mind. So he was, <laughs> he, was, you know, he was dapping people up. He was saying hi and all that stuff. And the security, you know, of course, the Secret Service was there with him. So this is what like, kind of like also showed me, like kind of like spoke to me about, you know, Trump in a, in a kind of sensible way. So the guy was very personable and he was like a a genuine person, you know? So if you said something, he's not like the type of person who's going to be two-faced or fake to you in front of your face. He's going to show you or tell you how he feels and he doesn't hold it back. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's on, he's honest as far as that. Like, so if something angers him, you'll know. If something makes him happy, you'll know. If you strike a nerve in him, you'll know. So that, that's an admirable thing of some, to admire for somebody. He's not going to be fake or two-faced. So what ha- what basically happened was, as he was going because he has a tight schedule, his his um his Secret Service was you know motioning him to leave, saying, "Hey, let's go, Mr. President. We gotta go. We got- I think they had to catch a flight or something." You know, he's the president of the United States. He's busy. So basically, as he was going, he was still shaking hands. But then somebody yelled out something to him like, "Oh, President, we still gotta fight for this country." It was it was something maybe like with foreign policy or something that was going on at the time, and. He turned around, you know, because usually with famous people, they they used to let things go through the ear or they didn't hear it. 
But he turned around. This person was not in the far back. He was, this person was a little back up, you know. So for him to hear that, I was surprised. And he turned around and said, oh, yeah, we will. Like, he turned around. And he was actually turning, you know, pink and, and or, like, red a little bit. And um, I, I hate to sound, you know, like, let's say racist, but, you know, like, if you strike a nerve with, like, white, white people or you say something <laughs> that, you know, that, that, you know, that catches their attention, they turn red or pink. Oh, so that's yeah, but I get very flushed. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he turned, but he turned red out of passion. Like, yeah, we're going to get him. You know, like, you know, we're, we're fighting for you. You know, so which you don't see with politicians. Politicians are, you know, stone cold. You know, the swamp establishment. They're used to lying for a living. Kind of like mm. lawyers do it as well. But Trump was genuine about it. He was so genuine that he was turning around to speak that he was like, I guess, cutting into the time that he had to be somewhere that his secret, his own secret service they had to push him to the exit. Like they had to physically push this man because like for safety reasons too, they had to push him on his back. So you're talking about a six, four man, president of the United States. He's looking back. Like he has his neck, his, 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 uh, his face turned to the side, looking back and they're pushing him in the back, physically pushing him now to go, you know? So that shows, you know, passion, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, he eventually goes to the exit or whatever. I'm like, yo, this man is, this man is real. You know, so um, so the event closes out. You know, I hang, you know, with my friends and all that. Next day, I head out, and I and then also like, you know, some people helped, you know, pay for our hotels, and you know, some people were very kind, and I, that's when I first know, noticed how like maybe kind conservative community was. So Absolutely. I get back on the train. I get back on the train, and no Wi-Fi on the train. Uh, well, there's it's spotty Wi-Fi sometimes, you know. So the Wi-Fi is spotty. So when the Wi-Fi comes on, I I just decide to post a, a few pictures. I put, yeah, I posted the pictures uh, to my Twitter and to my uh, Instagram, and it, it tagged us at the White House. And I go to sleep, and the Wi-Fi is out. <laughs> I so I go to sleep. I maybe sleep for four hours. I get I the train station stops in Greensboro back in my home. Uh, I get my folks to pick me up. They drop me off at home. So I I get attached. Then the uh, the home Wi-Fi turns on on my phone, and I'm just hearing ding 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 like notifications like all through my phone. I'm like, what's going on? You know, because I I was I was so confused, and I see like hundreds of likes and different comments on you know on my twitter uh then i look at my i look at my instagram and it's a bunch of people that you know grew up in my city and went to my schools and some are like calling me coon or sell out and say what kind of coonery is this and blah 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 and then there's also people i've never seen before that that look apparently like conservatives they're giving me props they're like oh this is nice this is historic this is great oh my gosh you know and and the same thing on Twitter, but it was it was a little worse. But in Twitter, like you know, my following was going up a little bit just because of that. And I was like, okay, you know, cool, and 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 all that. And then it just started to blow even more. Um, so, I mean, that was my first like, I guess, feel, seeing like something go viral or or the hate that comes with that, or even the love too that comes with that. Yeah. And and but then like I you know I. I was being more conservative then because like I was learning about what conservative values are as far as like, you know, celibacy and, you know, being pro-life, which also, you know, uh, is a cause that I really care about too, as well. 
good, um, good. And so I just decided to, you know, to take it on more. And, you know, I made a few more tweets, I guess, and some posts. And, you know, my friend, a lot of my friends were influencers. And by the time I knew it, I was considered an, an, an influencer in a sense. Um, and can you explain, I, sorry, can you explain, like, what, mm-hmm. what in your definition is, like, influencer? All right. So an influencer is. I guess, uh, on, I guess, I guess for me, I'm sorry. So I guess for me, I'm thinking like beauty influencer, makeup, fashion. Um, so I'm curious to see kind of like, what does a political influencer look like? Uh, Okay. So an influencer is just people that influence people, I guess, like that have a large following and what they say can really, uh, get people's intention or get people to do things like buy certain products or think a certain way. So then a political influencer, I would say is that, but with stuff like politics or social issues or, you know, certain lifestyles, you know, so that's basically what it comes down to. And, and I mean, anybody is really an influencer. If you, if you have an account and you have a, you have a following, I would consider you an influencer. Um, so, I mean, that's what it is in short. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm listening. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. All ears. Okay, I was just going to say really quick. Um, there was something you said. So when um, you started getting, I guess, like the hate and the attack, what was something you did to keep you going forward? Because we have a lot of listeners that yeah. sometimes um, they're trying, starting to be more vocal and they're kind of nervous about like what people oh, are yeah. going to say and stuff like that. What did you do to keep you grounded to keep going forward? Okay, so I've been, I've already had a, a time in my life where I had to do something that wasn't popular that I believed in or I had to stay down. And that was with my business. So I kind of already had that tough skin built in me from sales and business. So Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, you got to have that tough skin. And two, what uh, motivated me to keep going, let's say as an influencer is when I, when I had my Twitter account, I made sure I unfollowed, I, I unfollowed and blocked and unblocked my, my friends, like people that I knew in real life. So what it does oh. is it makes it, it takes away anything that's negative and it takes away anything that's positive personally. So like your friends and family can't distract you, you know, because they can mm. they can do a lot of things and distract you, get to you, you know, you know, tell you certain things. So what it did was when you when you block and unblock somebody, it makes them unfollow you as well. So yes, my following went down, but it gave me freedom to speak freely, a little bit more freely. And by the time that your family and friends see your social media after you've done that, you've probably hit 10,000 followers or 30,000 followers, or, you know, 50K or whatnot, uh, as far as that. So you didn't have that, you know, distraction. Another thing that I did, too, because, like, it did shake me when I got, you know, my first, you know, death threats and things like that. Oh, I had to also oh. remember that in the Bible, it did say everybody would be against you you know, and following Christ or following what you believe in as far as that. So I did turn to my Bible as far as that. Um, and I turned more into Christianity because like, you know, it's a conservative value as well. And I found that there was a lot of wisdom in the Bible, you know, and and that's what turned me towards being, you know, pro-life as far as that. And of another conservative value, which is being self-accountability, 
which uh, even, you know, maybe had adopt the saying along with Brandon Tatum where, you know, like if somebody says, oh, they're pro-choice or blah, 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 I just joke and say, oh, I'm pro-choice too. You know, you make the choice in, in the bedroom, not the clinic, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so um, as far as that, I feel like what makes me pro-life especially is because of course I believe abortion is murder. And mm-hmm. what I always tell the people, I don't, I don't like, I'm not the type to like say, oh, you're going to hell for, um, you know, killing babies or whatever. Now, I'm not going to deny it. You know, if somebody asks me, if they, I, just, I just say, that, hey, don't, don't kill me, uh, the messenger. That's what the Bible, you know, says. But also, I also put it into perspective. Like, like for example, most uh, babies aborted are Black. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to the tune of 60%. Mm-hmm. To the tune wow. of 60%, even more. So the thing is, I always tell people, like, if you look at it this way, you know, if we weren't aborting our babies at such a high rate, we would have a black majority in the country because we only make up 13 percent of the population. If we weren't killing babies in that rate, we would have been up to 20, maybe 25, a whole quarter of the population. That means we would have had a bigger say in elections in the census. Because the census determines how funds are allocated and what is needed in the census. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. a, a bigger say in, in, in life in general. Also, added on top, of, on top of that, you know, the point I made to people, too, is because I'm, I'm, also, I'm a business person. I do, you know, government contracts and, you know, home care agencies or things that, you know, re- revolve around Medicaid or, let's say, government-funded things. So, basically, Planned Parenthood gets funding from the government, a lot of funding. So what they do is uh, you basically tell the government, say, hey, such and such got these many operations this year and each operation costs this much. Therefore, we need this amount of funding going into next year. So, and then they, either the government approves Mm -hmm. it or they don't approve it and whatnot. So basically they make money off of killing babies. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that it's set up, like think about it like a, a McDonald's franchise or, or just a franchise in general. Let's say you put in maybe a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars to start your own Planned Parenthood clinic or whatnot. You start it, right? Mm-hmm. You got to okay. pay for marketing and advertising. So, what better place to start it than an impoverished black community or a community of minorities? And you start them on the notion of thinking that abortion is healthcare and it's okay. So, like, let's say, like, here in Chicago, Planned Parenthood in Chicago, they have big billboards, you know, with black women and saying abortion is good for your health and all that stuff. Like, I mean, you've seen the billboards. They're, they're huge, you know, and stuff like that. So, eventually, with all that marketing, you're raising, you know, little black girls to, you know, they 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 know where to go kill their babies. When it's, they're when grooming it's them, kind of, in, and, in a way, yeah, it's grooming. Yeah. Well, and they're they also told, and they're also told, in order to have a better life, yeah, you can't have a child. How? Yeah. I mean, has that shown at all as a success? Uh, uh, so, so absolutely no. So, what I say to that is, they you, you, growing up, you know, you know where to go to kill your baby and to even get the funding for it. But you won't. You don't know where to go to open up a savings account or to open up an account in general. Mm. So, so point. I always point that out. Like, let's say, especially when I'm talking to black, you know, like the black people or the black community of how bad abortion is. Also, the only reason, and see, the thing is, I, I went to college too, so I understand, you know, the whole like 
stress of saying, oh, you know, you, this girl got pregnant or you got this girl pregnant and blah, blah, blah. But it's it's a matter of not being responsible and not taking mm-hmm. accountability for your actions. It's a way to, it's a way out, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's a cowardly way out, you know, and I think going in life, if you, if you live life like that, where you're always trying to save, you know, save your, you know, a, you know, SS, you know, <laughs> you really don't, um, you really won't get far in like doing that because you're always going to cut corners or you're always not going to do the integrity thing, which just shows a lot of people's true colors, you know? So yeah. it's like maybe, let's say the abortion was 500 or maybe it was Medicaid funded, you're going to go there and, you know, kill your baby. Also, you know, um, on top of that, abortion is harmful to the woman's body, you mm-hmm. know, because like I, I was in college, I knew a few friends that actually had abortions. After the operation, you know, you have what they call the post-operation directions. And there's certain things that they can't be around. Like they can't be around loud noise. There's certain things they can't eat. You got to go to sleep or take some certain pills because it's it's like you're sick. So, and then last time I checked, doctors, you, you made a vow to do no harm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I mean, there's so many things that, you know, are wrong with, a, with, a, with an abortion. And everybody says, oh, but nobody wants to adopt. Well, at least with adoption, the baby lives. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, well, now I mean, and I, mean, I both want to adopt. So, yeah, yeah. All the babies. We'll yeah, take yeah. them all. For real. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, that was my, you know, my main thing about being, uh, let's say, pro, you know, pro-life, you know, as far as that. And two, like, you know, a lot of money is made in the Planned Parenthood clinics, a lot. Like, you know, to, to abort a baby, probably in the most sense, it can be anywhere from a thousand to even two thousand, you know, dollars in operation. Yeah. And then they send, you send that bill to the government. The government pays that with our taxes, you know. Mm-hmm. And things like that, or or whether it's Medicaid or whatnot, and things like that. So, so I always explain that you know to black community. And one thing is like, also, let's say somebody practices celibacy, right? Which is a conservative value in a sense, like self control. You're able to put your sexual energy into things with more meaning, like maybe starting your business, building your podcast, doing much more productive things. You know, as far mm-hmm. as it's, it just comes down to discipline, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, that's one of the things that a lot of people need in our society. I love that you, know, you said that. Yeah, in, the, and, in the Black community. Yep. Yep. And, I, uh, and I'll say I waited till my husband and I, so I got like a lot of like, I got judged in college for that. I get it. And, and it's, and it's like, just like the Bible said, people will judge you. A lot of people will be against you, you know, for following, you know, for following Christ. And then just in life, if you, if you don't do what's popular, if you don't follow mm-hmm. the crowd, you know, people will speak against you, you know, but you, if you think about it, like all like people that are successful, they had to give up things, you know, even Oprah, you know, she, she worked on Sundays because she knew other people weren't working. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, he started Amazon with uh, almost nothing, you know, and then now, you know, you see where he is. Uh, look at even Elon Musk, you know, even look at, you know, Apple and, and you know, different, different Kanye people. Kanye West started, started Kanye yep. West seems mm-hmm. to be working Kanye all the time. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Oh yeah. He was, he started out, you know, very slowly too, you know, as well as that. Yeah. Um, but it's just all, all kinds of things, you know? So as far as that, you know, like that's what got me into conservative uh, values and yeah. really being a conservative, like somebody put it very well the other day. It's just basically, believing 
and and listening to what your grandparents told you, you know, mm. or rather, I would say conservatism is just thinking before you do. Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. that. Just think, thinking before you do, like not being so quick to jump into something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's literally all it is, you know. And like I always tell people too, you know, like a lot of things, like let's say if you're not being celibate, whatever, you put yourself at risk to a lot of things such as STDs, mm-hmm. you know, AIDS, uh, mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. Not just pregnancy, you know, it could be, you could be, you get an STD or be pregnant or both, you know, all those risks that you take from it. And um, so it's just, it's just a lot of, a lot of risk, you know. And then yes, you know, people do have urges. Even the Bible recognizes that people, we, as human beings, we have sexual urges, but it encourages us to not indulge in that. You know, it even encourages us to get married and, and, and you know, wait for that, you know, that time. And I think that's that's a very big core of uh, somebody's, I guess, life or, or integrity in the sense that they can if they can if they can handle, you know, as far as that. Um, yeah. Now. I was just going to say, I agree. And I just want to interject really quick. I love that you were saying that. And I love that you're about that because you don't hear a lot of men saying that. And unfortunately, even conservative men, you don't hear a lot of that. And I think it takes discipline, especially as a man to be celibate, to wait, um, to just not do, you know, not to give into that. That takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of strength. That is amazing. I, yeah, I love this. Definitely. Yeah. And I have two questions before we get into Blexit. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we are going long. <laughs> um, oh, shoot. Yeah, we are. Yeah. So you were talking in the beginning how it sounded like you had a lot of conservative values going into the 2016 election. Why did you still vote yeah. for Hillary? Okay. So, yeah, that's a good question. So I was raised on Republican bad, Democrat good. Just like you were raised to to wipe your butt or to, you know, to put the toilet seat down or to, to wash your dishes or, you know, say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I was, we were raised in, in our in the blue cities or the blue jungles, I'll call them, especially in the school system, that the Republicans are bad, Democrats are good. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, you know, you know, the black community hating on Bush and, you know, they were rooting for John Kerry. I remember with the, especially during the Obama time, him running against John McCain and, and Mitt Romney, you know, how much hate and disdain was for Republicans. And I just thought that was just the default, you know, way to vote. That was just for the, for the people. And uh, then one day I learned about like what inflation was, especially coming from a third world country, uh, Nigeria. You know, I learned about that. So that kind of got me to understand the value of currency or a dollar and how those things work in the economy now what made me vote for hillary you know which is actually one of my biggest regrets you know ever was At that least she didn't yeah 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 definitely looking back i'm just like i'm just like wow so like what made me vote for her is just basically that it was just what everybody else was doing it was just democrat good republican bad that's what it came down to i remember i remember even at the poll and i was seeing him red in my eyes when I saw Donald Trump's name, you know, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, that I hit that and that was, that was back in, you know, 2016. Um, and, but as far as like conservative eyes, I think that by nature, even black, black people, like we're conservative by nature, 
Yeah, yeah that's and, what I've um, noticed for uh, sure. Now we do lose sight of that, I guess, as we get older. Or and then some of the like younger generations yeah. for sure. Like yeah. Gen Z black people I feel like aren't as conservative but I feel as if they're more rebelling as opposed to like what they core believe you know what I mean what principles are conservative in the black community like what are those conservative principles that maybe that's something we should be showing more yeah so uh, I'll say a thing about like how you think black households one is you can tend to want to like clean more or like cooking as far as that, or like, let's say saving your money or like not wasting mm-hmm. your money on mm-hmm. things, or let's say just sticking up for yourself and your, and your family. Now there's a lot of toxic behaviors in the black community. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, uh, single parent households, specifically single mother households and things like that. But there's, there's values that, you know, originally the black family, well, and I say this, strongly the the black family as in a man um, a father and a mother in the home Mm -hmm. that are raised upon you know uh, as as far as that so of course manners like being in church and church does preach discipline you know I mean these days it's getting a little murky you know Mm -hmm. but then that's another that's another that's another episode (laughs) another spiritual warfare that's that's coming you know stay tuned for that um but um as far as that in the black community, people are conservative by nature. Humans in general, black, white, or uh, brown, purple, whatnot, uh, are conservative, you know, by nature. It's, it's part of survival. You know, mm-hmm. you don't just jump into anything. Like, I mean, like, even from the start of history, like, you mean, like, let's say, you're, you're te- even stuff like trial and error, you know, testing out, like, if, if this berry is good to eat or if it's poisonous or whatnot, um, you're going to be timid at first and, you know, check it out, you know, things like that, you know, so um, people are, yeah, are conservative by nature. Yeah, so my next question is, what can local parties do to attract African Americans? Okay, so first thing for, yeah, so as you know, I am running for um, Mecklenburg for uh, chairman of the Mecklenburg Republican uh, Party, Mecklenburg County in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina area. I'm running against uh, a few others. And the uh, first thing I'll always say, if you want to, if you want to build a change in these blue jungles, you have to get rid of that Republican stereotype. And it takes time. You have to think strategically and you cannot have people that are wanting self-gain or or selfish. That's what helped Trump win, that he didn't have much to gain, you know, from politics, you know, as far as that, because he already had, he already had his money and whatnot. But then also another thing is you get people to run for, let's say Republican, uh, Republican seats or Republican, uh, you know, as far as just candidates in general, you get them to win by having qualified candidates, but and by qualified, I don't mean the on paper. Oh, I was I was in this uh, Republican group for this time, or I have a college degree or whatever. I mean qualified by they look like the people that are in this city. So, if the city is predominantly black, 
have somebody black run as the Republican candidate. It helps, you know. Um, and it's not to say that you're compromising what conservatives is, because black conservatives do exist, you know. Okay. As far as a, a party, support. And then, and then also with that, you know, because they, if they see that face, if they see a black face running, they can't call it racist. They can't call the Republican Party racist. They see that right. what we're putting right. home for, especially in the cities. Now, what if you if you bring some like some like dopey lawyer or some cheery, let's say uh, uppity looking like white girl, let's say like that's in a in a city like let's say Baltimore or even a Charlotte, you know, to run as a position, it's just going to confirm the stereotype that people were raised with, you know, mm-hmm. um, as far as where Republicans are. Now, the thing is, the great, what it can give you an advantage is usually Democrats do the same thing, too. They have some uppity, you know, person that's not even from the city. Right? Kathy Manning, for example, up here in Guilford County. Exactly. exactly. So they have somebody uppity run. And the thing is, or, you know, they, they just, they, you know, that's politics, you know, as far as that. But I'll say, make sure the person that you have running the area really represents the area. They were born and raised there. If, if the area is more minority, have a minority run you know, and help them support your local, the local party should support the people of the party in that area. So like I said, the term elephant in the blue jungle, it's real. So if you're a, a conservative in this, in this blue, in these blue jungles, which are blue cities, you come, you are under a lot of scrutiny. Your mm-hmm. friends, you probably lost a lot of your friends, a lot of your family members. It's like you're, you've risked your life in a sense to support what you believe in. So that party should to support you, you know, mm-hmm. and the, if you feel left out in the cold, what one thing you may do is one, make you not involved in the party as 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 a whole, or make you even leave the party altogether, and feel that there's no hope. Now, if you if you don't show that you you know your party supports its voters in the county, it hurts. You know, it hurts in the long run because. What let's say one party won't do, the other will. And the Democratic Party, they've mastered that. You know, the Democratic Party, they found their way into the schools. You know, they found their way into supporting people. Even the Democratic Party, they pay bail right now. Yeah. They pay people's bail. You know, the Republican Party would never. Well, they're paying teachers to stand at the polls and go door knocking. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. But but I'm just giving you two examples. They pay bail. If you if you do if you burn a loot in the name of BLM, Democrats they were paying bail. You know that's a big thing. Now the thing is, I could even let's say I had like a but it, and one thing that's hurting the Republican Party is that they give it like a, a corporate chew you up, spit you out kind of kind of vibe. So let's say I have a post that it, that does great, like like the time that I had that like Trump retreated one of my tweets or whatever. They will ride that. And they'll love it. You'll be their friend one day and all that stuff. But let's say the minute I like, let's say I'm in um, like, for example, I was there January 6th, you know, let's say the minute they think that it'll make them look bad or they can get in a little cop condemning somebody or throwing somebody on the bus, they do it, which they show their true colors on the sixth one day condemned, you know, people that were in D.C. during that time, you know, even the people that went into, like, let's say the Capitol, which are, which a lot of them weren't real down conservatives you know as far as that and, and then the, they just played on that which shows which white people have a disdain for the swamp so it's just a matter of just having you the republicans that you already have having their back you know uh supporting them 
And they'll also, in return, support you as well, like support the party in, in general as well. And then next thing, too, is be in the community and don't shy away from the name Republican. And if you need to rectify some things, do it. Like, for example, I've been pushing the initiative to, like, let's stop calling the GOP the grand old party. Because in marketing wise, and when people first see that, they're thinking, oh, old, as an old white man, or even why is the old spelled O-L-D-E? That sounds a little, you know, a little, you know, racist to me or something. So they'll ease away from that because growing up, I was like, why don't we call it the Grand Opportunity Party? Because that's, that's, that's really what, what it we're is. calling it. I that's like anyone that. I talk to, I go, we're the uh, Great yeah. Opportunity Party. I like yeah. that. I like that. And so, so I mean, it's little things like that. And then also, like, being in the community, too. Because, like, like it comes down to the idea to say, what did the Republican Party ever do for me? So instead of us showing, like, up, like, six months before an election and knocking doors and all that stuff, why don't we do, I, which is what I'm going to bring to Mecklenburg if elected as chair, is what I call year-round campaigning. So you do food drives. You, you just be in the community. And also, I thought of one idea, too, is let's help people start businesses. The stereotype with Republicans is that we're business owners and we have money. Why don't we help people do that? Because like people can say what all the liberals can say what they want about me, but they come back to respect me at the end of the day when I've helped them, you know, start a business. I've helped, you know, certain like my classmates file their LLC and all that stuff. So they respect me for that. You know, um, somebody will have no choice for respect you if you help, you know, put money in their pocket or or increase their, you know, their quality of living uh, as far as that. So I think that the Republican Party should be should do that as far as being active community and year round, not just yeah. for an election. And if, yeah. let's, say, let's say we had a food drive. We have we have banners that say Republican Party food drive. That's it. You know, and we're not looking for any votes or whatever. We're just giving food to families in need. Have them drive by, you know, give them food, whatever, yeah. whatever. Donated. And, you know, it, that what that instills eventually is like, oh, the Republican Party is slowly, slowly we build that. And then also that juxtaposed with a black face in office, like an actual, you know, uh, running uh, or winning in the past, like, for example, Mark Robinson is a good one to start with, you know, that also okay. helps. Uh, you can't call the Republican Party racist. We helped out here and there. And then we also preach the great things about conservative values, which is which where social media comes from. We suck at social media because one, the Republican Party, when they get on social media, it's always last minute or it's somebody's somebody's son or nephew with with a with a with a name that's prominent in the party just wanting to make a hustle out of having social media influencer or social media uh marketer on their platform and they just have horrible you know posts that are not interactive posts that don't describe what you what you what this bill means and they don't speak english literally they don't speak English. They speak, they speak political policy and political terms that are now called dog whistle that nobody really knows about, you know? Yeah, and much so, jargon. Yeah, a lot of jargon. Instead of speaking clear English, like saying, you, you do not want me to take 60% of your money. Yeah, that's and that's what Mar Marie Forleo says. She's really good on copywriting. She goes, when you write stuff on social media, you need to make it sound like it's coming from your voice directly. Like, you don't need to sound like mm -hmm. a robot, like, hi, I am so-and-so, like, I stuff mean, like that. Like, you need to talk like you're talking to them through social media. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, just just a post, you know, it's just like a simple post, which helped Trump a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the thing is, Democrats have mastered this. Like during the election, I mean, you were all we were all on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the posts that liberals were making. They were clear, even if they were incredibly dumb or whatever. They were very clear, like saying, "Oh, abortion is healthcare. Or, my body, my choice." Or you know, yeah. people aren't you know stand up for your rights. You know, things like that. We could have just said, you know, have the freedom to start businesses. And things like that. Um, can you guys hear me still? Yeah, yes. we can still hear you. Yeah, yeah. My, we... one of my air yeah, one of my AirPods is going out. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's really okay. Really quick, we need to wrap it up. And uh, well, actually, first I want to say those are really, really good ideas. And I hope everyone listening, like, if you were thinking about getting involved in your um GOP or however your young Republicans are like these are some really really good ideas um and they're also innovative a lot of that stuff honestly had never really crossed my mind so I think those are that's great just to wrap it up though sorry really quick um we've gone over an hour which is great yeah it's a great interview yeah yeah honestly we'll have to have you back on again to talk a little bit more um there are a few more things I wanted to ask oh yeah so much (laughs) I did want to ask you really quick just to talk about Blexit and how to get involved. Mm-hmm. So uh, just go to Blexit.com and click on chapters and join your state chapter and we'll talk. Also, I mean, if you if you want to follow me, I'm the only person named Osiga in the world. So you can type <laughs> in O-S-I-G-A-H and follow one of my social media accounts. I'll be there. I'm there. Um, and then you reach out. Uh, and then, uh, of course, there's Pierre, there's uh, Candace Owens to follow. Mm-hmm. There's Ariel. She also lives in Charlotte. Uh, she's a uh, part of the Blackstone National Team. And you just join. And uh, we'll be in touch. We have a lot of things coming right now. We also have the Blackstone Students Movement. Uh, definitely join that. That's headed by Ariel and Chandler Crump. You know, very great people in this uh, movement. Yeah, um, real quick, and, can you define Blexit for people who do not know? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, give the definition. Blexit, okay, so Blexit stands for Black Exit in general. So this is Black Exit from a lot of things. So so Black Exit from toxic behavior, Black Exit from generational curses, Black Exit Ooh, from... I like this. Black Exit from, you know, of course, you know, the Democratic Party, which is also part of groupthink, you know? So it's just a matter of exiting toxic or curses pretty much that's what mm-hmm. that's what black exit and it's just a movement of you know you don't ha- even have to be black to be flexible you can be of any color really um but it's just a matter of of that you know in general and what do you and guys you try to do is it just like an organization yeah. or are you guys like going yeah. into communities trying to be like hey you need yeah. to leave it's kind of so it's both. So we we do a lot of advocacy. Uh, now, what what we stand on are as far as our pillars. We have many pillars there, uh, about six. Uh, but just to wrap, just to keep it short and sweet, uh, basically comes down to um, to think uh, before you know you do something. And also, we also have the notion that as far as in politics, we don't tell you who to vote for, but we just tell you to think and know that there's two sides to the argument, to the story. Mm-hmm. So we, we tell you to look at things fairly on both sides. Uh, that there's two sides to every story. So basically, a, a, my best analogy is, let's say a boyfriend and girlfriend or a husband and wife are arguing. If you only listen to the husband's side of the story and go with it, you're going to miss a key part. You know, 
you're going to miss some parts out of it. But if you listen to both sides, both husband and wife, you're going to have a more informed decision. You're going to be able to make a more mm. informed decision. So that's the same thing with Republicans and Democrats. If you only listen to the Democratic side of the story, you're going to miss out some things. If you only listen to the Republican side of the story, you're going to miss out on some things as well. So it's like listen to both and decide, you know, sort of who you say you vote for, who, who you want to support. And as long if you've done that, then Blessed has done their job. And also in life, too, you know, you think about, you know, what's best, I guess, for you. Um, and as far as, like, let's say, life planning or self-improvement. And that's what Blessed is all about, Black Exit. Awesome. Well, real quick, shout out your small business. What's its name? Oh, so, yes, I have, I have different businesses, but, you know, I am in, like, some people do dox me, so I do keep that you know, under, uh, under, uh, not undercover, but I just don't, you know, You're put the name out there. Just to protect, okay. Yeah. To, to, yeah. To protect, you know, like no uh, my, you know, family or whatever. But I, I mean, I do do consulting as well, uh, as far as that. Um, which is a, which is another thing that, you know, I think we need to work on with the Republican party because, um, right now to be a Republican, it's like you have a target on your back. Everybody knows that if you, if you go to the dark side, people will be after you. And yeah. that's the way the Republican yeah. party needs to step in and help people who've been docked, you know, because it's yeah. a shame that I yeah. can't, I can't give a shout out to my, to my, uh, you know, let's say my website or what I do because out of fear of, you know, persecution, mm-hmm. you know, as far as cancel that. Somebody can't come, yeah. Cancel culture is worse. Like it's, it's harder to come out as a conservative than to come out as gay, you know? And that's yeah, one thing that the Republican Party, we need to have our people's backs on and stop pretending that it's not as bad as it seems, you know? Um, yeah. So pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Thank that's you so much it. for coming on. Yeah, seriously. Oh, yeah, no problem. definitely want to have you on again because um, there was so much more we wanted to talk about. But this was really good. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Me too. For sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, So thank you so much for listening. We want to remind you to sign up for our summit. Um, The link will be in the description. Um, Anything else? I think that's great. Review, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Do we have a donation this month, Mal? Uh, We do not this month. Um, If you'd like to donate to us to help spread the podcast, uh, we have a lot of big goals, like 2021, we have a lot of things. And to do that, we really do need some donations. So we have a link um, is on the website for that. Or you can buy some merch. Yes. Any of our cute mugs that we have as well. We have new mugs on the site. Everyone should totally take a look at. So donate the donation this month is to us so we can keep spreading this message and buy some merch. The merch is really cool. I just got in the pink elephant pullover. Oh my God, it's so soft. My husband tried it on and he goes, this feels great. <laughs> it looked really soft. You had it on the other day and I was like, oh, that looks soft. Yes, it's so soft and the mugs are good and um, it's great with the free lunch coffee. You guys definitely need to try that out. Yeah, and use our code, those other girls tend to get 10% off. All right, thanks guys. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram at Those Other Girls Podcast and on Twitter 
at TOG underscore podcast. Those are the girls changing culture and bringing back traditional values.